welcome to the LifeSpring Church Podcast. May the Word of God be a blessing to you. Connect with us and consider giving online at lifespringchurch.us. In preparing for 2022, and I don't know if I would say this is a theme for the year. Maybe, maybe not. There's been a word that the Lord just kind of dropped into my heart a few weeks ago and just kind of been pondering on it and studying it and looking through Scripture and, and, and just kind of letting it soak and marinate. You know, the best way to cook meat is just to let it marinate. Put it in a good marinade and just let it sit there and soak and let the citric acid from the orange juice break down those tissues and let the sugars all soak into that meat and then you... Place it on a smoker and you smoke it for a few hours, nice, low, and slow, and then you pull it off and it's so nice and tender. Well, God's been putting this word in my heart and it's been soaking and marinating for a while. And that word is radical. Some of you just had a flashback to the 60s or the 70s. Radical. Takes me back to... I don't know, I guess it was the 90s maybe. Anybody remember the the Christian music artist by the name of Carmen? And he had a song called Radically Saved. It was cool, dude. It was radical. We probably have these, these crazy ideas that come to mind when we hear the word radical. Maybe it's the the culture that was surrounded that world back in, in the 60s, 70s, 80s. Sometimes we hear the word radical and it takes us to, to the, probably the common definition of radical. Something that's drastic. Something that's extreme. Man, that was radical, man. That was just wow out there. Did you know radical actually has another meaning? Trenton left to go to youth class. He's probably give you a better definition of this he's in the middle of all of his calculus in his senior year of high school god bless him in mathematics there's a term called a radical it's taking something down to its core to its root to its foundation and and that is actually one of the meanings of the word radical it's not loud and extreme it's not flamboyant it's not chaos it's not it's not ostentatious it's not big it's just it's radical. It's original. It's foundational. It's the root. So, in this one world, we, in this one word, we kind of have both worlds. Loud and, and radical, or we just have this is who we are. This is where we're grounded. This is where we begin. So, we have both foundation and original, and we have extreme and dramatic. So throughout the year, starting today, I'm going to preach some messages. They're not, it's not a series of messages. I'm just going to sprinkle them in throughout the year. But some messages about being radical. About getting back to our foundations. About getting back to our origin. It doesn't matter how anti-cultural our doctrines are. It doesn't matter how misplaced our lifestyle seems When you compare it to our worldly society, we will embrace this idea of being radically different because we live for God. 
We serve others because we radically live for God. And so we're going to begin today with the idea of radically seeking God. Radically seek God. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go to the book of Mark, chapter 12 and verse 29. It's 2022. I'm going to enlist. Let's see if we can enlist some people in 2022. I need somebody that's just going to say amen, you know, every four or five minutes while I'm preaching. Can I get somebody to help me? There's a couple. Hey, I got to preach it over there. Woo! Maybe, maybe this one's a little bit more difficult. It's easy to say amen because you can just agree with you. You know what amen is, right? Lord, let that be. Let it be. Let it be in my life. Sometimes amen is, is the easier way of saying it, but sometimes we got to say, oh, me. Anybody here willing to, to let the word speak to our heart? And maybe you don't have to yell it, but maybe in your spirit you can say, Lord, oh, me. Your word's speaking to me right now. I need you to help me preach this year. Anybody going to help me preach this year? It's this agreement one with another. That builds our faith. It's this unity one with another that builds up our belief in the word of God. You have to have faith before the word can work. What good does it do to have a bottle of cleaner and leave it on the shelf and talk about how great it can clean? It could be the filthiest room in the house and have the most powerful cleaner in the world sitting on the shelf. But until you take that cleaner and you put it to work... That's when you begin to clean up the mess. And that's how it is with the Word of God. We must be bonded together and believe it so that we believe it enough to say, Amen. Amen. I've been tempted, and it's way outside of my personality. But maybe some of you know him and have heard of a preacher by the name of Jimmy Tony. He, uh, planted a church in Tennessee, and he was trying to illustrate to his congregation the importance of, of we say, helping the preacher preach, this unity together. And he went to the extreme that he actually made flashcards. And while he was preaching, every now and then, he'd just hold up a flashcard. He'd just keep on preaching. Have you ever been to, like, a, a studio where they're recording, like there's a live audience and they're recording, and they'll have the lights that flash on that says, Yell or scream, or they'll have another light that flashes on and says, clap loudly. He kind of took that and as his cue. He'd have one that said, clap, that's good preaching. Or he'd have one that said, say amen. Mark chapter 12, verses 29 and 30. Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. 
lot of times we get focused on the second commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself, or we call it the golden rule. But you know how the second commandment works? The second commandment works best when we have the first commandment under control, right? So we're going to study the first commandment today. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11 and 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. Him in this passage is God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Turn to your neighbor and say, diligently seek him. Diligently seek him. You can be seated this morning. Thank you for standing for the preaching of God's word. Hebrews is telling us something about how we please God. Anybody want to please God? I want to please God. I want the words that I say. I want the lifestyle that I live. I want the actions that I take to be pleasing unto God. And the first thing that pleases God is we must have faith. Faith is believing. Faith has two different definitions of believing. One is someone may ask you, what is your faith? What do you believe? What are the doctrines? What are the teachings that you believe? That's my faith. The other side of faith is not what do you believe, but do you believe? Yes, I believe it. I believe it so much that I will put it into action. First, it takes faith, believing that God exists. But faith without works is dead, the Bible tells us. So what is the action of the faith that says, I believe God is real. The verse tells us, if I really believe God is real, and I really believe that God will reward me, then I will diligently seek Him. I will radically seek God. To seek God means to investigate or to crave we're going to start fasting. This week we're dropping sugar and sweets. I already have a craving and it ain't even started yet. Just saying we're not going to have chocolate this week makes something inside of me short circuit. That ice cream that's in the freezer, I'm going to have to check the expiration date. We may, <laughs> Sister Heidi said throw it away. <laughs> that's crazy talk. Crave. Do you crave God? Do you crave worldly faith? Do you crave worldly attention? Do you crave to be associated with this world? Do you crave to be recognized by this world? Or do you crave God? Do you crave for God to know who you are? Do you desire, do you dig in and do you investigate to, to reveal to your understanding who God is? Do you seek God earnestly? The root words for this Greek word seek, it gives us a word picture of a starting point of searching with the intent to find. Diligently seek God. I'm going to start looking for God. 
But I'm looking for him with the intent of finding him. Well, doesn't everybody start a search with the intent to find things? No, I got teenagers. Hey, can you go and grab something for me real quick? Can't find it. Where'd you say it was? I literally said the screwdriver was in such and such room, in such and such box, on such and such shelf. It's not there. If I get up and walk down there and find that it's there, searching without the intent of finding, simply to say that you went on a search. I went and looked. I can't find it. You got to get it. That's weekend Christians. They seek God not to find him. They seek God simply to say they were searching for him. They seek God simply to say that I, I did what I was supposed to do on Sunday. Now Monday through Saturday, I'm going to do what I want to do. I've got another priority in my life. And so seeking God is simply an action that I take. It's not a motive or a directive in my life. Non- Committed Christians are the ones who seek without intent. They all lack basic Christian disciplines in their life. They don't pray. They don't read their Bible. Fasting is far from their attention. Corporate worship with the church, they, they don't see a need for that. Being engaged when the word of God is being preached or spoken to them, that's way outside of their realm of interest. They have a million and one excuses for all the reasons they can't and won't be faithful. They're seeking God, but they're really not intent upon finding Him. Kind of like looking for a screwdriver that you've been given explicit directions for where it is. And you're kind of like, nope, not in there. I went to church on Sunday. I felt the presence of God. But I didn't do anything to seek God. I was just soaking up everything that was there. I was a consumer of the presence of God. I showed up at church with a shopping cart, and I filled it full of all of God's blessings. And then I left. They're social Christians. They attend service, and they participate so that their own desire can be met. You've got to work on our image. got to keep my Christian persona in play. It's about living their own lifestyle and just sprinkling a little bit of Jesus in. This is not what Paul was writing to the Hebrews about. Paul was writing the opposite of this. We must diligently seek Him. We must radically seek God. We must look for God with the intent that I will find Him. You give my wife something to find, or if she's lost something and she wants to find it, she becomes intent upon finding it. We'll rebuild the house if we have to. We'll find it. We'll tear it apart. We'll break it down. We'll take the cushions off the couch. We'll flip the bed over. We'll take everything out of the closet because we are looking, we are searching, we are seeking intent upon finding it. I wonder what would be ha what happened if I became intent upon finding God in my house. In me. 
If I search my heart today, would I find God? And what would I have to do if he's just not right there front and center to find him? Would I be willing to tear the house down? Would I be willing to get rid of some stuff? Would I be willing to dig in deep so I would search until I found God in the depths of my heart? Would I throw off worldliness? Would I throw off pride? Would I throw off self-centeredness and self-righteousness? Would I be willing to say, I want to let go of all of these things until I find God in my heart? And then I found the foundation. Then I found the root in my life. I found the origin, the reason why I am here. And now we can build. We can build 2022 upon Jesus Christ and Him being in our life. Those Christians who aren't seeking God intent to find Him, they're committed to their Christian disciplines. They're faithful. They find reasons to serve God no matter how difficult life is around them. So today I want us to affirm or maybe reaffirm, I will radically seek God. Let's try that again. Today, let's affirm, I will radically seek God. We're going to have to get some flashcards. I'm going to seek Him until I find Him. I'm looking for God today. Intent that I find Him. Lord, where are you at? Are you hidden underneath some of my worldly desires? Let me get that out of the way. Lord, let me look for you in, in 2022. Where are you at in my heart? God, is there some misunderstanding of the church that, that you've been buried under and I've become so focused upon this hurt and this pain? I'm going to get rid of that until I find God. Because I want to get back to the root. I want to get back to the origin of who I am in my relationship with God. The Bible says no man can come except the Spirit would draw him. We all remember that moment. And it shouldn't just be a past moment. It should happen often in our lives. Where the Spirit of God begins to reach down to you. And He touches you and He begins to pull at you. And He begins to draw at you. And He begins to beckon to you. Hey, come a little bit closer, my child. Come a little bit nearer to me. Come a little deeper in your relationship with me. Make a little bit more consecration to me. I will radically... Seek God. This idea of seeking God. Sometimes we get really focused and it is the intent today. The, the focus is how do I seek Him? But I want to I give you just a, a little bit of motivation today to seek God. We often say, Lord, I love you. God, I love you. And, and, and we do. We, we worship him and we honor him and we, and we love him. But how much does God love you? How radical was the idea that God would demonstrate his love for you? God loved us so much that he left heaven, manifested himself in flesh, 
took on carnality, was tempted like we are tempted in all manner, was hated, was lied upon, was spit upon, had his beard ripped from his face, was beaten with hands and fists, was sold for silver, was whipped, was nailed to a cross, was given a crown of thorns as mockery for his kingdom, was stabbed in the side with a spear. His clothes were torn off of him and gambled away at his feet while he watched. And in all of this agony and pain, he took on our sin and became sin for us. And he died so that we could be in relationship with him. That's how radical God sought you. So how radical do I seek God in return? Most seeds, they kind of have a similar appearance, right? A seed is a seed. If you see, wow, that's tongue tired. If you see seeds sitting on a table, you will recognize them as seeds. You might not know what type of seeds they are, but you recognize these are seeds. The resulting bloom that comes from each of those seeds can be very different. You may take one of those seeds and plant it in the ground and it grows into a huge maple tree. And you grab another one of those seeds and plant it in the ground and it turns into a tomato plant. Or other seeds and you plant it in the ground and it's a rose bush or a tulip. They grow into separate and individual things, but they're found. Their beginning, their origin is similar. If you look around at the seeds of our life, each of us being planted here in this church, we see opportunity among all of us. Each of us has incredible Opportunity. If you look around and you see stalks and, and stems beginning to grow in our lives of, of new things from Christ in us growing, we see great potential. My ask, I ask the question, what happens when we begin to radically seek God and we begin to bloom? What will we see when this church actually blooms into everything that God has designed and intended for it to be? It'll be radically different than the seeds that were originally planted. Each of us will be different in the way that we bloom, in the way that God uses us. Some may have the gift of prophecy. It's in the Bible. Some may have the gift of wisdom. Some may have the gift of tongues or interpretation. Some may have the gift of helps. That one's in the Bible too. Or the gift of administration. Or some may have a talent in music or a talent in leadership. But we all will begin from the same origin or the same beginning. But what it is God makes out of us is different. It's 2022. It's the beginning of the year. Let's, let me cast a little vision your direction. Lifespring Church, we've been planted. They call people like me church planters 
you go into a city, you go into a place, and you, you get together a group of people, and you begin to, to build an organization, and a, you begin to build a church, two separate things. You begin to put processes and things in place, and you plant a church. There's lots of churches that get planted. Planting a church is an incredible benchmark of success. So with you guys being here, with your commitment that you have the Live Spring Church, we can say we've planted a church. Now comes the next phase of the church, growing a church. It's one thing to plant a seed, it's completely... Remember our son Eli and Ashley... They decided to plant a garden, and they planted some seeds, and like three-fourths of the garden bloomed and grew really well. Another quarter of it didn't really bloom or grow very well. It requires sunlight for seeds to grow, but just because you put the seed in the ground doesn't mean it's going to grow. It has to germinate. It has to push out a root. And that root has to grow. It has to have nourishment and, and nutrition and, and all the process that goes with the dirt and the soil and the nutrients that, that cause it to begin to expand. And that one root begins to break off into multiple roots and it begins to find its grounding and its footing. At first, it's just looking for nutrients, but it's beginning to take hold to the ground. Here at Live Spring Church, we've been planted. Now it's time for us to establish some roots. It's time for us to take our roots and push them out just a little bit further. How many remember, what was it, sixth grade, fifth grade? You were given the little bean seed and you put it in the little cup and you planted it. In science, you studied biology of how this little seed was going to grow and a little root would come out one side and start to dig down and then out the other side a little stalk would come and it would slowly push its way up through the soil we've been planted we've been germinated we've got our little roots sticking out we've got our little stems sticking out but we're growing we're expanding we're pushing our roots further and deeper you ever heard preachers or, or people say we need to get deeper in God and you need to get higher in God and there's like you said that in the same message, Pastor. How, how am I supposed to get deeper in God and higher in God at the same time? Well, our roots go deeper and our stem goes higher. It's time that we become radical Christians. It's time that Live Spring Church become radical. It's time that we look at our roots. We boil everything down to our foundation and we begin to push those roots out just a little bit further. When we do this, then we will become what God wants us to be. We will become just like the first church. The first church in the book of Acts. Where they prayed for the sick and the sick recovered. They prayed for the lost and conviction gripped their heart and they came to the church. They spoke with faith and God moved. 
God does those things among us. I'm not saying that he doesn't. But I want to see it to a greater measure. I want to see it grow. I want to see signs, wonders, and miracles. I want to see the prophetic come to pass. I want to see your blessing greater than any blessing you've ever had before. I want to see your lost loved one sitting on the seat next to you. I want to see your neighbor that you've not even talked to yet come to church with you one Sunday. All right, let's try it again. I want to see your loved one sitting on a seat next to you at LifeSpring Church. I want to see the neighbor that you've not even talked with yet come to you, come with you to church on a Sunday. I want to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. I want to see God pour out his blessings in your life greater than he's ever poured out before. It happens when we begin to take care of the roots. When we become radical, we boil it all down to our foundation. You've probably heard of the Leaning Tower of Pisa. They watched the tower and a few years ago it was determined that the tower is leaning out of plumb. Plumb means straight up and down. It's leaning out of that by 17 feet. So the side that's leaning, if you put a string at the top and let it go to the ground, there's 17 feet between that string and the bottom of the tower. It's said that while they were building the Tower of Pisa, even before they finished construction, it had already began to start leaning. Did you know Pisa means marshland? They built the tower in the marshland, and before they even finished the tower, it started to lean. Now here's the part that gets me. Even though they knew the tower was being built in the marshland, they only dug the foundation 10 foot deep. The reason the Tower of Pisa is the leaning Tower of Pisa is because they were more intent upon building the tower than they were about building the foundation to hold the tower. They were in a hurry to build the tower, but they didn't take time to establish the foundation. Hear me today. We've been planted, and we're beginning to grow, but we're not going to rush to be everything that God called us to be until we first have a firm foundation. LifeSpring Church, we're not building a 10-foot foundation so that God can build a, tool, a tall tower out of us. No, we're going to dig our roots deeper. We're going to push our roots out wider. We're going to make sure we understand who it is God's called us to be and what it is He's called us to do. We'll have a firm foundation so then we can support whatever it is God calls us to be. What if God called you to be a missionary? Now, you think that's a crazy idea, but what if God did? Do you have the roots to support being a missionary? What if God called you to be a church planner? That's a crazy idea, preacher. Why would you even talk about that? Because he may. What if God called you to be the evangelist of Livespring Church? 
not an itinerary evangelist that gets in a tra travel trailer and travels from church to church preaching on Sundays. But what if he called you to be the evangelist that goes into our community and evangelizes it and brings people into Life Spring Church? What if God called you to be an evangelist? Well, that's just not my personality. I don't see how that could happen. Hold on. What if God called you to be a prayer warrior? I don't even really know how to pray. Hold on. We're building a foundation. We're building roots. We're digging deep so that God can make us who it is and what it is He wants us to be. And just as the seeds all look common, so do the roots all look common. Oh, they're unique in their, their species of plant that they're supporting. But in general, roots are roots. So what are these common roots, the common foundation that help us radically seek God? It's the radical disciplines that should be in our life. Christian disciplines. Let me quickly go through them. If you are radically seeking God, then you will pray radical prayers. The disciples asked Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. This might be a candy stick. I'm sorry. Sorry, not sorry. I'm going to give you insight into being a pastor. You know, one of the most disappointing things being a pastor is when people fake it. Because being a pastor, God's called you to help people. He's, he's called you to come beside somebody and, and help them be who God has called them to be. That's what leadership is. Leadership is helping other people be everything that they're supposed to be. A leader is nothing more than the stake you drive in the ground next to the tomato plant that you can tie the, the plant up to to help it grow. That's what a leader is. That's what a pastor is. And when people fake it, you can't help them. You can look at them and you can say, that's the droopiest tomato plant I've ever seen in my life. And you ask somebody, hey man, anything I can do to help you? Man, I'm growing great. Okay. You know what? One of the greatest things that really gets a pastor psyched up and energized is when somebody says, you know what? I'm trying to grow in this area. I just don't understand. I'm just struggling. I've hit a wall. I need, I need some help. Ta-da! I'm here to help you. I would rather have a church of people who are 100% honest about who they are in God and about the life they live and all of their mess-ups and all of their hang-ups and all of the junk going on in their life than have a church full of beautiful pews, of beautiful smiles, and they're all fake. Reminds me. We have a swimming pool at our house, and I'm on a Facebook group of, of people that have swimming pools and how to maintain and take care of your swimming pool, and I'm learning all kinds of stuff. And landscaping comes into some of the conversations and 
And last summer, there was a, a debate going on on whether they should get real palm trees or fake palm trees. And some people were, were talking about how realistic the fake palm trees looked. It doesn't matter how realistic a fake Christian looks. It's never going to grow roots. It's never going to become more than what it was manufactured to be. Oh, I hope you get a hold of that. It'll never be more than what it was manufactured to be. If you form and manufacture a fake Christian to be three foot tall, it'll be three foot tall its entire existence. You take a real Christian who maybe is just a couple feet tall, and they're saying, Lord, I'm trying to dig some roots. I'm trying to push my roots down. They may be two foot six inches the next year. They may be three feet the next year. They may be four feet the following year. And you'll begin to see them growing and becoming more and more and more. I know this may hurt, but there are some Christians who are so fake that they look at their three footness and compare themselves to the two footness and boast about how great they are. Hold on, fake Christian. I'm digging roots. Hold on, hypocrite, I'm digging roots. Before long, I'll have coconuts on a seven-foot palm tree, and you'll still be your foot fake tree. Well, Jesus help us. That was an oh me moment. So the disciples, I'm, that's way out of my notes. Radical prayer. The disciples asked Jesus, teach us to pray. If you're struggling with prayer, you can know that it's on my calendar this year. I'm going to teach us what the Bible says about how to pray. We're going to become a praying church. Not just talking about prayer. Not just having ritualistic prayer. Not just having a prayer meeting just so people can show up and say a few words in prayer to say they prayed. We're going to become a praying church. A church that when they pray... Heaven listens. A church that when we pray, hell listens. And hell's not listening to your prayer. Hell's listening to heaven's response to your prayer. Hell could care less if you pray. But when the devil begins to see Michael the archangel getting his group together... And the warring angels begin to write out a strategy and they're in the war room putting together a plan. And it's because you prayed. Then the devil and all of his imps are like, whoa, 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 whoa. It's about to get real. So we're going to become a praying church. If you're here and you're a part of Life Spring Church and you know how to pray, I'm asking that you would move this year beyond every distraction. Move beyond the environment. Move beyond the quietness. Move beyond what's going on around you. And pray. Really pray. Pray earnestly. Pray intently. Pray with intercession. We need your prayers. If you know how to pray, when we have a prayer meeting, before service, if you're here to join us for pastor's prayer, I'm asking you, pray. If we take prayer requests during service, Pray. If we call a prayer meeting, we all come together for prayer. Just earnestly pray with intercession. We need your prayer. It's your prayers that will help this church 
push out its roots. Radical. Radically seeking God. Next is radical worship. Man, I'm thankful for the worship we have at LifeSpring Church. Well, one person is. Try it again. Man, I'm thankful for the worship we have at LifeSpring Church. I know. We're young. We're not the biggest church in town. We don't have the perfect musicians and perfect singers and it's not like a Branson show we don't have every note just right gotta be honest we're not really trying to be a Branson show we're not really trying to get it perfect every time we're doing our best and we're striving for excellence but if we hit the wrong key on the keyboard or hit the wrong cymbal in the drums or we sing the wrong note one time, we don't go home and stress over it. Because I came to sing my song to him. And we came to play these keys for him. And we come to play our drum for him. And we come to sing as a congregation to him. And if you clap on one and three and this person claps on two and four and this person claps on 12 and 47, it's okay. We're here to worship God. That's the purpose. So I'm thankful for the worship we have. But man, that's worshiping God right there. There's another level of worship that we can tap into. I want to encourage you. There's another level of worship that we can tap into. There's a greater depth in our worship. There's a place when the people of God come together and it doesn't have to be a big crowd. It can be just the few. When they come in and they begin to worship God, that the atmosphere literally changes. I've been in home groups, like five or six people. And you begin to have a little prayer meeting and someone begins to sing a song and you begin to worship God and the atmosphere changes right in the middle of somebody's living room. The dog laying in the corner. There's plates of half-eaten food on the coffee table. Soda in the cups. And you were just talking about something that had nothing to do with God, but all of a sudden, you just begin to worship God. I've walked into church services where people came with one mind and one accord, intent upon worshiping God. Not worried about how bad Friday was, not worried about how stressed out Tuesday is going to be, not messed up about everything their family said bad about them that week. They just come in focused with their attention on one thing. I'm here to worship God. I'm here to give Him glory, and I'm here to give. And when they begin to worship God, my hurt, my pain, my struggle... Pulled me into that presence. Their worship pulled me out of my heartache and into the presence of God. It's because their worship changed the atmosphere. And God showed up. And it made a difference. Maybe you have questions. What does it mean to biblically worship God? Let me tell you. 
on all sides of the spectrum, there's some crazy ideas about worshiping God. We're a Pentecostal church. We're a Pentecostal in our worship style. But hold on. We're biblically Pentecostal in our worship style. We have no snakes in the back. This isn't Tennessee. We don't have, we'll never have, we ain't going to have. And neither are we so fundamental that we are statues of what God did in our past. Anybody ever been to a museum and they got statues? And you read the plaque about the statue and it tells you all the history. Do you know why that plaque talks about the history? Because that statue is never going to do anything else ever again. It represents a past. I don't come here today and sit with a smile on my face to represent my past. I come today and worship God with everything that's in my heart because he saved me from a past, but he gave me a future. And I'm going to live that future. I'm going to fulfill that future. So I worship him because of what he's going to do. So if you have questions about biblical worship, we're going to talk about it this year. Now, if you know how to worship, I release you to be a worshiper. I release you to be a worshiper. Be a leader in worship. Choose to be the thermostat of worship and not the thermometer of worship. You get that. Thermostats set the temperature. Thermometers measure the temperature. Man, a church full of thermometers is a dead place. Everybody's looking around at everybody saying, they're dead, they're dead. They're cold, 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 cold. And all the cold fingers are pointing at each other. I'm going to be a thermostat. I'm going to crank the heat up in this place. I'm going to turn my worship up just in the next notch. I'm going to worship God a little bit more intent. I'm going to worship God with a little bit more fervor, a little bit more passion. If you need to step out of your seat, maybe stand in the aisle, give yourself some elbow room so you can raise your hands and worship God, that's all right. If you need to come down front while we're singing, just to get in front of all the distractions that's around you, that's all right. Be a worshiper. Worship God. If you know how to worship, I implore you and I release you. Be a worshiper. We need your worship. Your worship is what helps expand our roots. i got to keep moving. Radically devoted. We need people who are loyal, faithful. It's a new year. If this is your church, then let's come to church. If this is the body of believers that you are part of, then come, let's support this body of believers. The great redwood forests are made up of trees called sequoia trees. These trees can grow 350 feet, maybe even more, in height. Stop and think about that. 350 feet. That's a 
story building or more. The trunks of these trees can be measured at 26 feet wide. From that wall to here, yep, it's 20 feet. From that wall to me, how wide the trunk of those trees can be. They're massive trees. 350 feet high. 26 feet wide. And as incredible as these facts are, there's an even more incredible fact about these trees. The roots of these trees only grow 15 feet down into the ground. So you're asking yourself the same question I asked myself. How do these trees survive the storms? How do they stand in the wind? How do they maintain their, their uprightness in the weather? With such a shallow root, it seems like they're set up to fall. They're set up for failure. But they stand for decades, hundreds of years, weathering the storms and the winds and the weather. They never fall. Even though their roots are shallow, they never fall. Why? Because even though their roots are shallow, the roots are very, very wide. And you walk through the great redwood forest and you begin to understand how these trees stand. It's not in the depth of their roots, but it's as their roots go wide, that tree and that tree and that tree is growing its roots out wide. And they all become entangled one with another. They become unified. They become part of a single root system. They grow way out from the tree and become entangled with their neighbors. It's this network of entangled roots that supports the extreme growth and the extreme stability of the sequoia. We're talking about radically seeking God today. It's your devotion to God. It's your radical worship, your radical prayer that helps us take our roots deeper. When my roots and your roots begin to intertwine, we become unified. When your roots and your roots become intertwined, we become unified. We become part of one body. What I'm telling you is I need you and you need me. You need each other. We need one another in order to weather the storms of life. So I can't radically seek God on my own as part of this church. I need you to radically seek God. I can't stand as an island radically seeking God on my own. I want you to radically seek God with me. I'm calling to you. Radically seek God. There are some people that are examples to us of what it means to radically seek God. We're coming to a close. Abraham, in the Old Testament, he left everything that he had. was obedient to the word of God. If we're going to seek God, we have to be obedient to his word. When he calls us, we must go. No matter what it means we leave. 
He left everything. His family. He just took his wife, his livestock, and left. What about the woman with the issue of blood? You're familiar with that story in the New Testament? The woman. She'd been to doctors. The Bible says she'd spent all of her money seeking help from the doctors. Looking and seeking trying this trying that trying this and it just wasn't working and she heard that Jesus was in town and she said if I can just touch the hem of his garment you understand the power of her words the Old Testament has a prophecy in it that says that when Messiah comes he would have healing in his that Hebrew word for wings means the outer edge of your garment. She wasn't just saying, there's a man that can heal me. She was saying, if I could touch the hem of Jesus' garment, she was saying, he is Messiah. She recognized him as God come to earth. And because of that revelation, and because of her need, it didn't matter who got between her and him. She was willing to crawl. She was willing to push. She was willing to radically seek God for her healing. Nothing was going to stop her. What about blind Bartimaeus? You know the story of blind Bartimaeus. He was blind. Newsflash. He wore the clothes of a beggar. And he heard the crowd he sensed through the words they were saying and what was going on Jesus of Nazareth is coming this direction it wasn't in that moment he had a revelation of who he was blind Bartimaeus lived among the blind he lived among the beggars he's heard the stories about Jesus of Nazareth and those stories have caused blind Bartimaeus to believe because blind Bartimaeus didn't say hey Jesus have mercy on me Blind Bartimaeus, when he yelled, he said, Thou, son of David, have mercy on me. Blind Bartimaeus was going back to the scriptures of the prophets he had heard that said when Messiah comes, he'll be the offspring of King David. When blind Bartimaeus yelled, Thou, son of David, have mercy on me. He was asking for more than just healing. He was making a declaration that you are Messiah. Come to save blind Bartimaeus radically was seeking God I want to challenge you and I'm challenging my spirit today that in 2022 I will radically seek God I will I will dig deeper with my roots I will reaffirm my foundation I will find my origin story and I will let it grow from there and I'll peel back all the layers that have covered it up. Thank you for listening to the LifeSpring Church Podcast. Join us in person on Sundays at 11 a.m. Visit us online at lifespringchurch.us.